Alham Salam, Alam Nisfribika, Alam Madarse fi Madrase al Ashrafia Nasaria, Injilia Aman. Shukran, Shukran min Anna, Shukran min Madrase, and min Kanisa fi Alabin. Okay, number one, I've been keeping this together the entire time I was working on that video, but now I'm sorry. <laughs> and number two, I was hoping that Lyndall and Kay Browning wouldn't hear me speak in my broken Arabic, but they're sitting over there. So, Welcome, everyone, and peace be with you. My name is Rebecca, and I was a teacher at a Nazarene school in Amman, Jordan, for about 10 months this last year. There are so many thank yous to be had. First and foremost, for myself, for being able to have the opportunity to serve God in this beautiful country that I fell in love with. For 10 incredible months and giving me a taste of the Middle East five years ago on behalf of Lyndall and Kay Browning and it sparked the events that even caused me to go this last year. Thank you from the school and the church both of which I served as a part of ministry and also as support for the ministries and outreach that they're a part of as well. The transition home has been in many ways easier than I thought it would be. Um, there's some cultural things that kind of took me as surprise as I was like looking at Facebook and I saw people sho- showing like their shoulders and stuff and that kind of like freaked me out the first time I saw it, um, which was weird. But I slowly got acclimated, but it's not been totally seamless. I've been trying to reconcile a lot of the things and events that I've learned over the last year. But first, a few quick questions and quick answers, something a little bit more fun. Did I feel safe? Yes, I did feel safe. There were a few moments of concern back in January when a Jordanian pilot was shot down, and um, I know that a lot of people here were praying for me. I had reports every day that people were praying for me, and so despite the security concern, I never felt not safe because I knew I was in the center of God's will and what he wanted me to do. Um, Okay. Let's see. Did I enjoy the food? Yes. Very much so. I ate lots of bread and falafel, and it was wonderful and also caused me to gain like 10 pounds, but that's okay. <laughs> and then also my favorite thing, mansif. This is like the best food in the world. It's literally like a mountain of rice, and then they have lamb that they have soaked for two hours in something called jameed, which is like a yogurt sauce, and it is incredible, like Absolutely incredible. If I could find lamb chocolates like this somewhere here, I would make it for everyone because it's a big deal. Um, How was taking a taxi or getting around? It was kind of daunting at first, but you get used to what stores are easiest to get to, what things are easiest to say, giving simple directions, yanin, shma, shukran, yitikalafia, etc. Just basic things of trying to explain where I needed to go and trying to be thankful for when they actually get me there. Um, But I had a lot of really cool things within walking distance. There was some Roman architecture um, that was within about 10 minutes of my home apartment, which was absolutely incredible. And they have things like this all across Jordan. So I was really privileged, and I never took this for granted. Did I have to wear a head covering? Technically, no, I didn't need to wear it, but there was like a lice breakout in the kindergarten at some point, so I, yeah, I ended up having to wear that for a day. 
Um, I blended in pretty well. I was rarely given any sort of bad attention because I am kind of dark-complected, and I would dress like this, long sleeves, flowy, and I was fully covered. So I never had any major issues. Okay. So I have a hard time thinking of myself as a missionary. I know we're talking about missions and ministry, but part of it, it just comes from the word missionary being sort of taboo, especially in a place like Jordan. I'm by no means a preacher, but I am excited to kind of show and share what God's doing through our church in the Middle East as an ambassador. While I'm here, I had, or while I was there, I had to be tactful and diplomatic as an American to Jordanians, as a Christian to Muslims, as a member of this congregation to a congregation in Jordan, and it gave me a whole new perspective on what it meant to be as ambassador, like Paul speaks about in 2 Corinthians 5.20. But being home, it's giving me one more chance to be an ambassador, and that's on behalf of the Christians, my friends in the Middle East, for a church in the Midwest who may not know what's going on. We may not fully understand the situation that is happening there, and it doesn't help that our information is more or less based on media rather than firsthand accounts. So hopefully I can share a few stories with you today, but first I want to give you some context of the region. Jordan is a small country um, in the middle of a conflict zone known as the Middle East. Woo. Syria is above, Iraq is over to the side, Saudi Arabia to the south, and then Israel. None of these places are really known for being uber safe. It's okay. Um, but if you look at Jordan and the way that the boundaries are, this is for a strategic person or purpose. We had a group come, and one of the guys on the trip noticed that it kind of had a weird shape. And he asked, why are the boundaries like this? And we asked a social studies teacher at the school, and she said in 1922, when boundaries were initially drawn and various Western countries controlled the Middle East, Britain established the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan as kind of a buffer zone. So all of these other countries separate the Middle East from Israel. Well, as a result, in 1948, powers changed, and a lot of Palestinian people fled from Israel into Jordan, and then again in 1967, and this has made Jordan kind of a well-known refugee country over the course of the last century. As a result, everyone, aside from maybe a, a select few, like ISIS, really want to try to keep Jordan happy. No one wants Jordan to get upset. I kind of see it like the mom of the Middle East. If Jordan ain't happy, nobody's happy. So about 6% of the 6 million people who live there consider themselves to be Christians. Or they're identified as Christians. And this could be because they're foreigners and it's just not on their documentation or they were brought up as Christian. Um, the local church would probably guess that there's closer to 2 to 3% that are born-again believers. Um, but close to 15% of the country's population is either there on refugee status or some sort of historical refugee background. Currently, it's primarily Syrian, but there's a large number of Iraqis that have also moved to Amman um, as a result of their situation. So consequently, the ministry of the church has become more and more important. Most of the church is involved in refugee outreach or education, some churches provide food packs, others do clothing drives, 
but the local church is trying to tackle this challenge despite the local GDP being close to $6,000 a year. And things aren't cheap in Jordan. With the exception of some local produce, uh, most things have to be imported, making things very expensive even for the American girl that was just living there. So churches like Mafrak, a large Syrian, that's pretty close to a large Syrian camp, um, work together to buy essentials for families, and they do house calls. They do not require the families come to church, but they invite them as well as offer Sunday school for the children. And when I first arrived there, there was probably close to 40 people or 40 children that were coming weekly. But by the time I was leaving, there's closer to about 80 children and they were coming as much as two or three hours early, despite 99% of these children probably coming from non-Christian homes. The parents were highly supportive of the church and the pastors as they took care of their kids and they saw the light of Christ. And this was an incredible experience, just seeing the kids worship God and sing about Jesus. Um, report after report from families kind of showed their desperation. They're not legally allowed to work, and they weren't getting help from the Muslim community. They were getting it from the church, our church. So this spoke volumes to the families, and it was incredible. And he specifically asked for his picture to be taken, so it was kind of fun. When you break out a camera, like, everybody gets really excited. Jordanians love to get their pictures taken, and they're beautiful people, so it's, it's awesome. So the local church is supportive of the edu- educational needs, which is why our two schools in Jordan are very important. This is the one in Ashrafia where I was working. They're private schools, but they offer financial support for the kids through child sponsorship, like Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. And this is where I spent most of my time. My team was made up of three Christian teachers and two Muslim. Uh, One of the teachers isn't represented in this picture, but uh, it was just kind of incredible that we got to work side by side all year and work with the 44 kids that we had with five of us, which was daunting at times as well. And then on top of it, resources were often scarce at the school. We lost a few teachers in the first semester. So me, fresh off the plane essentially, didn't know any Arabic, might have gotten left with all 44 kids for an hour or two alone. (laughs) But, you know, you can kind of make it fun, especially if the kids are wanting to behave, and you can turn everything into a game, and that's how you learn Arabic. Going, shuhad, shuhada, what's this, what's this? And then they tell you in Arabic. So it was fun. Um, So my main role there was a teacher. But many people know that's not my background. That's not what I'm most comfortable with. I graduated with a business degree and a minor in communications. But I did get used to this aspect of my job a little bit. Um, But my most important task was probably building relationships one would think that a Muslim country or Muslims and Christians would have a slightly better understanding living in a country like Jordan where, for the most part, they have religious freedom. Christians who were born Christian are free to worship in a church. Muslims, stay Muslim. You don't try to evangelize, I guess. But you would think that people would have a better understanding of the two religions, and they don't. There's still the same misconceptions and assumptions between the two groups, and it was really hard to see that. Some of those assumptions were that Christians, all Christians drink, because Christians are the only ones who can legally have a liquor license. 
Um, some assumptions were based about purity because of how women would dress. Some of the Christians, well, especially in Amman, would go a little bit on the risque side, not so much for here, you would never think about it, but in Jordan where you're used to being totally covered, having any sh- sort of skin showing could give a bad impression. Um, but me being there as a stable presence kind of allowed me to build friends and open up dialogue and about things that I didn't understand. And then in return, they were able to ask me questions as well. So to have Western Christian volunteers in a place like this school is highly important. I was given the opportunity to immerse myself in a culture I didn't understand. And despite extensive reading and research beforehand, Outside even the school and church activities, my daily life was constantly filled with interactions with people and having to learn how to maneuver in my new surroundings, and I loved every moment of it. Taxis taught me how to be humble and give grace. (laughs) I built relationships with shop owners who would take each moment as a teaching moment to teach me more Arabic. Um, My friends showed me that they'd move mountains on my behalf and I was loved and taken care of by my friends, and that was included in this tribal mindset that they have over there, where if you're a part of my tribe, you're my family. And it was an incredible experience. Me being sick, they would make sure that I had all the amenities that I need, make sure I had medicine, food. I ate so much while I was there. So much food. Um, But we were proud of what we could accomplish and work together, and we broke bread daily. We literally broke bread daily and had communion with one another, and we just had fellowship together, and we learned so much during this time. The length of time there, 10 months, gave me the ability to dive all in and allow these relationships to cultivate into something of love and trust. Even after a few moments of question about my intentions, because what else is a single female from the West doing in the middle of Jordan, uh, my friends rallied for my integrity, and they were there to defend me. Not that there was any real concern, but just in case, I knew they had my back. So this is, I'm going to call her Jamila. She doesn't know I'm doing this, so I don't want to give too much information, but she was my coworker, my best friend, like a sister, we were called the twins of the school. We look semi-similar, but obviously we have two very different backgrounds. Um, we actually also have the same birthday, which was pretty incredible. But she was my co-English teacher, and we worked together all year. Um, we both had a heart seeking after God, and she noticed that there were differences in how I acted, behaved, than what she had been taught most Christians would behave like. Uh, And then we used the song, Every Move I Make, all year with the children, and it opened up the opportunity for her to ask questions because worship music isn't something that they really have in Islam. They have these call to prayers, and if you listen to it, it's really melodic, and I used it as a lot of my prayer time to remind myself to pray for the country, so five times a day I was hearing this, Um, but it's still not the same as worship music where there's an emotional appeal to our God and Savior who's also in relationship with us. So every move I make became kind of like our theme song, and hearing the children praise Jesus was absolutely incredible, but watching her and some of the other teachers sing along, 
it just it took it to a whole new level and it put the song into a new perspective for me i took for granted words and terms like mercy and grace and i will always remember how she came up to me one day and asked what's mercy mean what's grace why do you say waves of mercy and i had the opportunity to explain the gospel message through the song that there's nothing I can do to save myself, that we all sin, but Christ came to die for us and granting us forgiveness when I don't deserve it. So everything I do is out of my love and admiration for God. And we're still great friends. I hope to see her again someday. I keep on inviting her to my home, Jordanian style. It's like, open invitation, please come and visit me. But be praying for her. Be praying for her family. I think seeds were planted, and she has an interest but I may never know what comes of that. This is Janelle. He's one of my 10 Syrian kids I think we had in the class, and I worked with him on a daily basis. He continued to be one of the sweetest kids that we ever had, but he really struggled with school, and I couldn't figure out why, because we practiced things over and over again, and it just never seemed to click in his mind. And one day we were having the kids um, help us fill out these child sponsorship things where we needed to know certain information and one of the questions was what does your father do for a living and he says mafi baba i don't have a dad and it kind of broke my heart like i knew he was syrian but the conflict didn't really register in my head that he would be affected by this directly he said we lost him in syria my father had been or his father had been taken during the civil war conflict and was probably killed and his single mom was trying to take care of the kids in a refugee-type camp, but she's uneducated and unable to help him on the weekends or at home. So he kind of grew up in this this school, and it was kind of his family in a lot of ways. This is Dawood, or David. David came to join us in about December of last year, right before Christmas. Conflict in Mosul, Iraq, had forced him to flee to Erbil and then into Amman. He had been near the fighting and seen them write the letter Noon on the buildings, which the letter Noon is the first word in Nazarene, which is what they use to describe many of the Christians. So he was directly impacted by ISIS in many ways, and he was dealing with PTSD-like symptoms when I first met him. Um, when we first came upon him, like, we were trying to get him used to the class, and like, hi, how are you, Kibik, like, just trying to be, you know, big kids, but um, he wouldn't really react, he wouldn't talk, and I took a flash photo, and he just cowered, and it broke my heart. But by the end of the year, well, by spring he was talking primarily to me. For some reason it seemed like I was like a safe person for him to talk to because I didn't understand. Um, but by the end he was talking to all the kids. He was smiling. He was getting involved. And that just really goes to show how incredible the school is for these kids because they were able to see the love of God through the teachers and through the other students. And it really witnessed to him, even though he comes from a Christian family, he was dealing with a lot of issues in the past. The school is a lot of things, and while like most schools, they provide education, they try to do their best to lower the cost for these families, it's also a safe place for the children to come and grow. And through your financial support, 
specifically, I was able to help provide backpacks, food, clothing, school supplies, and other things for these kids. Some organizations would come through and help give stuff to the kids. They did things like um, the Christmas boxes and some other stuff. But some of the children would fall through the cracks because they could only give them to so many of the kids, and I was able to help use the funds to fill in a lot of those cracks. The crisis situation, though, continues, and the school's trying to keep costs low. And In March, the Ministry of Education came to do an inspection and decided that the kindergarten's not fit for the children due to newer standards, but after an appeal, they were granted some time to find a new building or renovate. But the steps and other things are considered hazardous, so there's a lot that we need to do. Bathrooms are falling into disrepair. Their local handy guy can only repair things so well, and they need some serious help. Doors don't um, fully latch when they're using the restroom, and even the kindergarten restrooms, I really had to like bang the door shut in order to get them to go. And there's just some security concerns for the girls especially. Um, The building was built in the 60s, and other than some new tile occasionally, very few renovations have been made since then. The churches are also in need of continuous prayers. They try to handle the overflow of refugees with the grace of God that they possess. Nazarene leadership has been changing over the last year, and this is a time of transition as each of the, the new leaders are trying to figure out their roles. And my heart has been broken for my friends. I no longer see news, but I see my friends and the people that I lived with. I see complex situations with very few solutions except through continuous love, support, and reconciliation to Christ. And I've seen churches be an example of reaching out and supporting everyone regardless of their background. They didn't see themselves as missionaries, but they were actively being the hands and feet of of Christ. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And that he died for all, that we should no longer live but live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. And then in verse 20 it says, Therefore we are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to Christ. And I think that's something that I've been trying to learn since being back. Um, I never saw myself as a missionary. I kind of saw myself as an ambassador. But I realized that even being back, that all of us are called to be ambassadors. Every single one of us. It's hard to get the call of ministry as far as missions because it seems so concrete and I don't have a theology background and I don't have this. And we give these excuses to God as to why we can't do his will. But here, Paul explicitly says that we are all called in this way. Not everyone is called to be an ambassador or a missionary, but each of us is called to be an ambassador of Christ through reconciliation. There's a message that we're to give not out of doctrine or duty, but out of love, a love that God compels for us to give. So um, if you hear this and there's something you want to do to help either the kids or the ministry in this area, talk to me afterwards. Um, In about a year and a half, I think Grace Point's trying to do a trip, about a two-week trip back to Israel and Jordan with Lyndall and Kay Browning, if I may be so bold. (laughs) Um, And I would love to go back on this trip as well. 
there's some incredible things happening and the fields are ripe and God's doing a new thing in the desert and there's so many scripture that kind of points to what God is doing in this area of the world and it's incredible. But you kind of need to see it firsthand because pictures and words only do so much. Um, but there are other needs as well and the school needs help. Nazarene Compassionate Ministries is a great way to support the school, support the children. Uh, they need financial help and they need people to pray for them every day. But I thank you for this opportunity that I had for the last year to work among these people and fall in love and have my heart broken. And I'm just crazy blessed with what God has done in the last year. Thank you. Amen. Amen.